Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 1. And it reads like this. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, or a just punishment of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Amen. And uh, we're going to be referencing these four verses in the next few moments as we uh, dive into the word of the Lord. And um, I'd like us to take a few moments and I'd like us to pray. And I'd like us just to ask the Lord uh, to talk to us. I want you to ask him individually for your life. God, talk to me tonight. And let's not get into the, uh, the mindset, well, he's talking to that person, probably that person over there and that guy. and this. Yeah. Let's just say, God, talk to me tonight. Right. Amen. God, I want to receive your word. Lord, we lift you up in this place. God, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. God, you know exactly who would be here and who would not be here before you put this message in my spirit, God. You directed my attention in this manner, Lord. I'm simply praying tonight, God, that you, oh God, would anoint me as the vessel of the Lord. To God, speak words of life, words of direction, a word of hope, God, a word of consolation tonight, whatever it would be. And I pray, Lord, that you would not anoint my life only, God, but I'm asking you to anoint every heart and every mind in this place, God, that we would be receptive, that we would be able to receive the preached word of God, and we would apply it to our lives, and there would be fruit that happens on the tree of our lives because we applied the word of God to our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, why don't we clap our hands and worship the Lord tonight for a few moments. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Hey, there's a number of people out tonight, but it's good to see uh, some new faces. Amen. Sister Jen is a friend of ours, and some of her friends were happier with us. And we don't want you to feel out of place, but you're welcome and make yourself at home. Uh, I, I always, I guess, my biased perspective, I feel, I believe that Abundant Life Center is more like a family. Uh, family kind of a church, and uh, there's a good feeling in, in this place, and it's because everyone in here is so down to earth and so friendly, and uh, I'm thankful to be a part of what God is doing. The book of Hebrews uh, is written, the, the letter to the Hebrews, uh, as it is recorded here in this book, was written to Jewish Christians. 
that we that we that they were in danger of reverting to the law of Moses. And the writer in Hebrews began to uh, admonish them and urge them to consider that there, uh, as it relates specifically to chapter number two, that there would be no escaping the consequences of abandoning the ultimate covenant or the ultimate agreement that the New New Testament believer uh, uh, took in for themselves uh, here in the word of the Lord. And this new covenant uh, uh, was something that they should uh, strive for, that they should grab a hold of, that new thing that God had done in their life. They were to hold on to with everything inside of them and resist the urge or the temptation to revert back to the old covenant, to revert back to the old lifestyle or the old way of doing things. Uh, They were to reach for that and hold on to that new covenant uh, and not revert back to that old covenant. The new covenant was established by God himself. Uh, without the aid of the angels, as in the Old Testament, the Hebrew uh, the Hebrew mind uh, looked at the Old Testament and saw the uh, constant intervention of angels in bringing the Word of God to humanity. And, and but as it as the writer of Hebrews looks at what God has done in the New Testament, recognizes that this was God Himself that brought it down to man. It was God that was manifested in the flesh in Jesus Christ and delivered that message of hope and redemption and salvation to the people. And the writer of Hebrews begins to uh, proclaim the superiority of the new covenant or the gospel of Jesus Christ over the old covenant in the Old Testament. And he begins to say in Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 1, that therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed. Amen. I've often read that uh, throughout my years growing up in church and not really fully understood what that meant. But through deeper study, uh, when it says we ought to give the more earnest heed, it is saying we should hear the doctrine of Christ, the gospel with a certain care, with a certain candor uh, and deep concern. Uh, we ought to give the more earnest heed. It means we ought to read this word more frequently. We ought to meditate upon this word more closely. And we ought to mix faith with this word that we've been delivered, that's been delivered to us. And, and we must embrace, amen, this word in our hearts. And it's got to be a part of the, uh, the affections of our lives. And we've got to be able to get this word that's preached on Sundays and, and on Wednesdays. And we ought to be able to retain it in our heart and in our and even committing verses to memory so that we make sure that this word does not escape yeah. our understanding or our life or our mind. Amen. And finally, it's to uh, regulate our words and our actions according to this book. Amen. We're to give the more earnest heed in, uh, in studying out this these particular words, more earnest heed in the Greek. That more is, uh, it in fact means that superabundance, uh, uh, more abundantly. In other words, 
We are to give abundant. We are to give super abundance amount of care and attention uh, and concern for the word that's preached. We're not to look at the word of God or or to let the word of God come into our our ear in one ear and out the other, as they say. Uh, But we are to take that word of God and we are to, with with every care, with every concern, with every part of our hearts and our affections, we are to grab a hold of that word and say, I'm going to give it more earnest. I'm going to give it my absolute attention. I'm going to give it concern. I'm going to I'm going to grab a hold of that word that's preached, and I'm going to apply it in my life. I'm going to make sure that that word that is preached it does not just kind of go in one ear and out the other. But it, in fact, when that word is preached for the Paul and it goes out and, and sitting in there in the audience, I'm going to grab a hold of it and say, hey, that's for me. I'm going to receive that word. I'm going to get a hold of that. I'm going to pray that spirit, that scripture, that word into my spirit. I'm going to get it in my heart of hearts. I'm going to grab a hold of it. I'm going to give it uh, an ultimate concern and care. The Bible says the, uh, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Amen. There have been many things that have been preached and been taught from behind this pulpit uh, that have gone forth week after week for, for several weeks now. Brother Walmer has been teaching about prayer. Yeah. Yes. And we can shout amen and we can preach with a preacher talking about some of these things. But let me ask you tonight. Has that word that's been taught on prayer, has it gone deep into your soul? Have you allowed it to get deep into your spirit where you can stand and say, I've got a stronger prayer life because of that teaching? Yeah. Or are you still struggling to pray 15 minutes a day? Yeah. Are you still struggling to pray five minutes? Are you still struggling to have a consistent prayer life with God? Or, or when you have a pre-service prayer, are you constantly looking around? Who's coming? Who's going? Uh, what can I do? Yeah. And all these distractions. Yeah. But have you really gotten that word of God deep in your soul, in your spirit? And you say, I've, I've been given it the more earnest heed. I've been given it super abundant concern yeah. and care. And my prayer life is stronger. Yeah. I'm going to tell you tonight straight, if you haven't. If you don't have a stronger prayer life than some of those things that have been teaching, you have not been given to it the more earnest heed. But there ought to be growth. There ought to be development. There ought to be something in your spirit that says, I'm a better Christian today than I was a year ago. I'm a better child of God today than I was a month ago. My prayer life is stronger. My convictions are stronger. I know them a little bit more today than I did last year. I'm giving it the more earnest heed. I'm not discounting what's being preached. It's easy to sit back and be a skeptic. It's easy to sit back and, and knock down this and knock down that. And the preacher and the teacher's teaching him. We're knocking down that. We're saying, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not for me. And we're constantly uh, mitigating the, the, the power, the, the potent uh, power of the preached word of God and we're saying that's for him and that's for her and that's not for me and he's not really correcting this and we're, and we're knocking it down and we're saying that no that's not right uh, yeah. we're, we're not giving them our earnest heed as a writer of Hebrews to admonish the, the Hebrew people to do and he said the things which we have heard amen we've heard a lot of things in this being, being preached behind this pulpit 
There's been a lot of things that have been preached. And sometimes we got to revisit some subject because we let them slip. And we forget. And the writer says, we ought to give them more earnestly to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. In other words, there is going to be in your life and in my life a tendency to let something slip. There's going to always be a tendency in your life to, to let some things go by the wayside. Some things that have eternal value and utmost importance. It's going to be the temptation, the struggle of everybody in this place to let something slip. You say, well, I started out, I've been living for God for, for 30, 40 years. Amen. And you can look at somebody's life and say, well, man, what's going on with your life? Well, I remember when you first came to God, you were on fire for God. You, you were the first one in the altar. You, you were always bringing somebody to church. You were doing, X, doing all of these things. And where's that fire? You let some things slip. We all have a tendency to do that. But we have to, as, as I'm preaching, teaching tonight, we've got to give care. We've got to give abundance of care and concern. And we've got to take inventory of our lives. As the church, we've got to take inventory of our lives. In the accounting world in which I was educated, uh, there's a thing that's called inventory. You take it every year. Sometimes if you're a public client, you do it uh, every quarter, every three months, and you're doing inventory. And what inventory is, is is you're going throughout the entire organization, the entire company, based off uh, the risk factor that's being assessed on that company. And you make sure that if that company says, i got 10,000 bolts and screws and nuts, you're counting every single one. And if you find an error, you extrapolate the error over the population. You say, okay, if we're missing... Uh, we did a sample and we were uh, missing one of the 10. That's 10%. We're going to say 10% of this population was probably an error. And you take inventory. And in our lives as, as Christians, as living for God, we've got to go through our lives and say, uh, wait a minute, let me go down the list as, as it relates to my day and the, the course of my day and, and the, the areas where my heart is is being fast for uh, and the things that I don't care about. I've got to go down the list and I've got to take uh, inventory and I've got to look at my life. Have there been things that have come into my life that should not be there? And are there things that are not in my life that ought to be there? Am I missing some things? Or is there things that have been added to my life that God never wanted to be there? I've got to give them more earnesty. I've got to take inventory of my life and I've got to go down the list and I've got to say wait a minute why do I not feel the same way about God that I did in the beginning and if you begin to do that and go that course and do that process in your life you're going to begin to find some things you're going to find some things and you've got to address them the things which we have heard A failure to earnestly heed the message of the new covenant would result in the drifting away back into the old way of doing things. And the writer in Hebrews knew that you can't mix the old with the new. For it's in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 17, the Lord begins to tell a parable and begins to say nobody puts new wine into old bottles. 
You can't take the old with you and try to uh, fit it into God's schedule and God's way of doing things. You've got to relinquish the old and say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna revert back to the old lifestyle, but I'm going to I'm gonna grab a hold of this new thing that God's doing and I'm gonna give it all of my attention, all of my care. I'm not gonna do it half-heartedly. I'm gonna give it everything that I've got. I'm gonna sell out everything I've got and I'm gonna buy the whole field and I'm gonna buy this whole field. And whatever God has in store for me, I'm going to embrace it. I'm not looking back. I'm not going to try and grab a hold of the old and keep on the new. But I'm letting go of the old. That I might have the new thing that God wants to do in my life. You can't mix the old and the new. The Bible continues. The word of the Lord continues. It says, less than any time we should let them slip. Lest at any time we should let them slip. In other words, if you're not earnestly uh, giving care, if you're not uh, giving abundance of care to your walk with God, it's just a matter of time before some things are going to be going to slip out from your life. And some things that have ultimate concern are going to slip out the back door or slip out the side entrance. And you're going to be left wondering, amen, what happened in my life? It's because you did not give ultimate concern. Amen to the things of God. And I want to remind somebody tonight, God wants your complete attention. God wants all of your heart. God wants you to love Him with everything you've got. With everything in your soul. Lest at any time we should let them slip. One translation said, lest at any time we should leak out. We should let them leak out. This is a metaphor that was that is taken from uh, vessels that are non-watertight. Vessels or instruments uh, that have holes or crevices in them that if you put liquid in them, it will find that hole. And, and that, that substance that's on the inside of that vessel is going to leak out. It's going to slip out. And God said, amen, I don't want you to be that kind of a vessel where it's in one ear and out the other. I don't want you to be a vessel where I fill you up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and you leave this place and it all empties out. But I want you to be the kind of vessel that I fill up on Sunday and on Wednesday you come back overflowing. On Sunday morning you come back again and there's overabundance in your life because God never gives you, amen, he'll never just fill you up a little bit, but God wants to give abundance of life, amen, this is abundant life center, and if any other church ought to have abundant life, it ought to be abundant life center, it ought to be people in this church that should have a life that's full of the abundance of the blessings of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Superficial hearers. Superficial hearers or listeners lose the benefit of the word that is preached. Unless he gives the more earnest heed. It used to mean to flow near. To flow by as of a river. 
One commentator said it's like the gliding away, like the escaping as from the mind. It's forgetting. It's to glide along as a thief does by stealth. And we should not allow, amen, this preached word to be like a stream that glides on by us without ever benefiting us. We should not be people that just come here just to sort of go through the motions and, and like the preacher preached on Sunday at the can of paint and we think, okay, I look better now because I'm in church. I look better now because I got dressed up and so uh, it's a can of paint upon my life. And we're not dealing with the real issues in our lives. Yeah. Amen. And this word of God should not be just like that river that passes us by and we sit on the sidelines observing what God's doing. We sit on the back row or the front row or wherever we're sitting in church and we watch the preacher preach and the singer sing and we never engage. We never jump in headlong to the movement of the Holy Ghost. This is something that we're talking about tonight that it takes you and I getting involved in. It getting engaged in. And we should endeavor to secure and retain this word as our own. We should endeavor to say that word is for me, pastor. That word is for me, preacher. That word is for me. I'm taking that to my heart. And I'm going to make sure that the, that word that you preach tonight, pastor, I'm going to take that word. I'm going to highlight it in my Bible. I'm going to go and I'm going to read it. I'm going to even try to memorize it. I'm going to pray it in my spirit. I'm going to listen to preaching. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to say, what can I do to mix my faith and my works and see the miraculous come down in my life? I want to mix my faith and my works. Don't sit on the sidelines and watch it go by. We do that on July 4th parades, Christmas parades. We sit on the sidewalk or we, if we're so privileged, we, we bring a nice fancy lawn chair and a little tent. And we sit there and we say, wow, look at that. And we're critiquing that. That one, that guy's float is kind of wacky. That guy's, that one's pretty cool. His candy was kind of garbage, but that one, and we're doing all, we're just sitting on the sidelines and we did nothing to make that parade happen. <laughs> it's just going right by. We're saying, wow, that's beautiful. Wow, one day maybe I'll do something with my life. <laughs> if you consider being in a parade something big, that's, that's great. But it takes, it takes effort. Yeah. It takes effort. But what we're talking about tonight, it can be it can be related to someone that sits on the sidelines and just watches. Right. Yes. Perhaps you find yourself coming to church and you just sit back and say, "Man, I don't like the way they sang that song. Man, I don't I don't know why uh, the drummer has a hard time with that beat or, or or pastor has a hard time with that that verse or that note or." And we're sitting back criticizing, and all the while, amen, God's moving, and the Holy Ghost is falling, and we're just sitting back critiquing, and we never just jump in and say, I'm going to mix my faith with my works, and I'm going to see the miraculous happen in my church, in my life. Amen. If you allow it to, amen, this move of God will move right by you. Amen. The thing that God wants to do even in this service tonight. If you sit back and you just kind of fold your arms and just critique and look at the preacher and just say, well, this church is that and this church is that way and what have you. But if you ever get it in your spirit and you ever get the courage and you ever get the guts to step out and say, I, I want it for my life. I'm not going to just let it pass me by. 
I want Him to use me. I don't want it just to pass me by. I don't want it to slip on by me, but I want to get involved. You've got to get to the point where you get sick and tired of everybody else teaching Bible studies. You've got to get to the point where you get sick and tired of everybody else. Amen. Doing something for God. And you sit back and you don't do nothing with your life. You've got to get to the place where you say, I'm getting involved. And I'm going to allow God to use me. I'm going to teach. I'm going to witness. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do something for God. My life is going to matter. I'm not going to allow the things that God wants to do to slip through my fingertips. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need a volunteer tonight. I need someone with nice hands. Anybody? Somebody that's not afraid to loan me their hands. I need two hands, a right and a left. Amen. I know it's a limited crowd here tonight. Brother Paul. Why don't you stand here on the platform, face the audience. Let me get a clean bottle of water so it's not got any of my potential backwash. I want you to make a, a cup with your hands as best as possible. <laughs> this is what happens a lot of times. We come to church and God speaks to us. And, and God pours some, some stuff out. And we say, well, what, what's going on? Why, are you, why is it leaking? You've got to make that water tight. If we if we sit here long enough, by the in the five minutes, his hand's gonna be completely dry. It's just water. It's not gonna mess that carpet up. But this is what happens in our lives sometimes. That's right. And then, so that happens on a Wednesday night. We felt, man, I felt good. Yes. But by Thursday, you got a little bit of water, brother Paul. What's going on? So you come back to church on Sunday, and the Holy Ghost moves, and God pours the Spirit out. And you say, wow, that's so good. Meanwhile, it's just we're letting it leak out. We're saying. Hold on to that, Brother Paul. Hold on to that. You can let it fall out all on the floor if you want. But that's what happens sometimes. You've got to give them more earnest heed. You've got to say, you know what? I'm going to make this thing so tight. I need somebody else to help me. I need somebody else to help me. Brother Nate. I think this was the one I used. I want you to make it so tight that no water is going to get. You think you can do that? Make your hands so tight that no water gets out. I'm going to try and pour some in there. Squeeze it as hard as you can to see if you can hold it. Hard as you can. See him flexing? He's showing the muscles. We got one. But did you see how he's, he's intently focused on trying to keep that water contained? He's he's straight, he's flexing his muscles. He's he's getting his attention. He's making sure okay, I drop went out there. I'm gonna tighten it up a little bit. I'm gonna make sure that nothing gets out. Thank you, brother Nate. Let it all let it all just. There we go. It takes focus. It takes saying, you know what? I'm gonna hold on to this word. I'm gonna hold on to this word. And when the devil tries to come in on a, on a Sunday afternoon after church is over, you say, blind devil, this is going to be mine. And unless Brother Nathan wants to really put his focus and his, his heart and all of his muscles and all of his hands in a hole in that little bit of water, it would have got out like Brother Paul. He was doing fine, but he didn't, he didn't really try that hard. 
And it was, it was how I told him to do. But that's what happens to a lot of us. We say, God says, make, make a little cup. Hold it up. All right, God. Water's leaking. Whatever. I'll come back Sunday and get some more. But if we're really like Brother Nate, we'll just hold it. Say, no, I'm holding on to this. By the time next Sunday rolls around, and Brother Nate's still with all his muscles and he's going to cramps and everything else, he's holding that. By the time next Sunday comes, I'm going to pour some more water in there. And it's going to be overflowing. And you, you come back home on the next Wednesday, and he's just holding on. He's saying, oh, everything that God gave me, I'm holding on to it. I'm not going to let it go. Yes. Right. And it's, it's, he's, he's just holding on. It's hey, overflowing. Yeah. And yeah. Brother Nick can just come and say, here, have some water. You look thirsty, have some water. You look thirsty, have some, yeah. have some of this. And you need some. Yeah. And that's what happens when we're holding fast. And we're saying, God, this word that's been preached, I'm putting in my spirit. Yeah. And when somebody, when I meet somebody at a Denny's, Sister Rena, because I got the word tight, I can say, here, have some. I got this thing so tight. Yes. Amen. God's filling me up every time I come back to his presence in prayer. Yes. Yes. And I'm holding it. Yes. And I'm holding it. Yes. And I'm sharing it. Yes. But you ask Brother Paul, this is just for the example, don't, not another person. You ask Brother Paul tomorrow, give us some water, Brother Paul. Oh, man, I'm out, bro. <laughs> it only lasts like five minutes. I'm dry. My hands have evaporated. The water's evaporated. I got nothing left to give you. But when you hold it tight, when you when you value it, when you say, you know what, brother Nate, this might be the last little bit of water I gave for three days. Whew. Nothing's gonna leave this this hand of mine. I'm valuing it. When we leave church on Wednesday night, when we leave church on a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. We hold it. Say, God, that word that you gave me, I'm not letting it go. I'm going to memorize that scripture he preached. If I got to, I'm going to pray it. I'm going to, I'm going to take that word that's, that was preached. I'm going to pray over those scriptures. I'm going to apply it to my life, God. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to, I'm going to give an overabundance of care to my life. Right. To make sure that I'm not missing out. I'm not allowing things to slip through my hands. A lot of times, some things will slip through our fingertips. We'll say, man, that didn't last long. It's not the fault of the preacher. It's, it's your fault so many times. Because you didn't say, God, I'm holding it. God, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold this that you gave me. I'm going to allow it to nourish me. I'm going to allow it to bring me refreshment. I'm going to allow this thing to work in my life. Let's not come back service after service emptied out again. Right. Let's come to church and let's let's come with the, our, our hearts full of the Holy Ghost. And let's say, here's, here's some water. Let me splash this on you, this, this Holy Ghost that I've got. And what that looks like is if you if, if you do such what I'm talking about on a Wednesday night, you can come back Sunday morning and you can minister to somebody else in the altar. Essentially splashing some water because you got some left over. You got overabundance of it. You've held on to it. You can say, here, have some of this Holy Ghost that I've got. Be blessed. Be ministered to. We need more people that are holding on to the preach word of God. That on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, they can lay hands on the sick like Peter and John and say, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow.
can't let it slip through our grasp. And that danger of slipping or letting it fly right by us, that danger may arise from, from various sources. Sometimes the attitude is, is such, we may feel that what is preached or the truths that are revealed behind the pulpit are not that important. And we denigrate the Word of God or we, we minimize the Word of God and say, well, that's not really that important. I've read that on my own and, and I think I know a little bit more than the preacher who's been studying all week for it. And we say that's not important and that's not important. And before their importance is truly felt, that uh, 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 it may actually be beyond our reach. And so we are often deceived in regard to the importance of subjects or objects. And before we perceive their value, they are irrecoverably gone. It's like the old saying, you don't, have, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And you don't know what your experience is so valuable until the day comes and you're without God and it's been so long since you felt Him and you're wondering what happened and all the while God was reaching and God was pulling for you and God was trying to tug at the heartstrings of your life and you said that's not important. Now's not a good time. And we let things that we think are not important impact us. And we say, well, that's not important, preacher. That's for somebody else. The other uh, thing that uh, is oftentimes the issue in this uh, regard is uh, sometimes we are so engrossed in our work and in our jobs and our business. And we feel that business and our work, our jobs is the most important thing. This has real implications, church. We can look at our job and say, well, this job is so important. This job that God gave me, He gave me the ability to do, that He gave me the grace to do, and that He gave me the favor with my, with my managers to do it successfully. That job is so important. So we put the job, and we put business, and we put all these things and monetary things before the Lord, and we said that's more important. And we are allowing things to slip through our fingertips because we're not giving the proper care and attention to the Word of God and the things of God. And that's why, if I'm going to be honest tonight, there's people that are not here tonight. Right, yeah. Because they're not giving them more earnest heed. They're not saying, God, I've got to be in church no matter what it costs me. And you allow some things to slip through your fingertips. And you allow some things to fall by the wayside. And God said, you better come back to realizing what's most important. Realize what is superior. And the being engrossed and being consumed with work uh, is the thing that claims all of our attention. People that are so engrossed in their jobs and their business, they have no time to pray. They have no time to read their Bible. They have no time to think of religion. Amen. They have no time for God because of all the cares of this world. It just it just saps, it consumes all of their time and the opportunities for God to save. Amen. They glide right by them. And all the while God's reaching and God's saying right now is the right time. Today is a day of salvation. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Don't let it slip right by you, 
God is reaching. God is saying, I want to move in somebody's life. If they'll recognize this moment, this day of visitation, this opportune moment in their life. Sometimes the other thing that happens is we let a favorable season slip right by us. Because we intend, amen, to uh, take care of our soul's needs on a future date. We say, well, I still got uh, this boyfriend. I still got this job. I still got this relationship. I still got this, uh, this addiction. I just want to enjoy a little bit more. And God say, no, right now, right now is the time when I want to move in your life. Right now, this is the season. Oftentimes, God comes into a person's life and it's seemingly out of nowhere. Amen. It's just booming and knocks you back off your high horse like Saul of Tarsus. And he's saying, what's going on? Who is the Lord? What's going on? And, he, and the Lord begins to speak to Saul of Tarsus. I am Jesus who you persecute. Saul could have said, it's not a good time. I'm, I'm on the road to Damascus. I, I'm going somewhere, God. Can you maybe pencil in with my secretary and, and apologize for knocking off a horse because that kind of hurt? No, God said, no, right now. Right now. This is that moment. This is that day. And I'm talking to somebody tonight. I'm ministering to somebody tonight. And there is an appointed season. And the writer, the apostle Paul, he knew, amen, that youth would defer itself to manhood. And manhood would defer these, these ultimate concerns to old age. And old age would defer it to the deathbed and neglect it altogether until the whole of life has passed you by and your soul dies lost without God. Paul knew man. He knew how prone he was to let the things of the the word of God, the spiritual things, amen, slip out of somebody's mind. And hence the earnestness of his caution that we should give heed to the subject now. Unless the opportunity of salvation would continue to move right by. I remember as a kid a few times, my mom and my brother Paul remember, we were in a, I guess you could say a difficult season of our life. We didn't have a, I think we only had one car, if I'm not mistaken. And there were many times, brother, where we would take the smart bus to stop. We would wait at the bus stop as a kid. I'm just going to be honest, I felt so embarrassed. Everyone's driving right by here. I'm at the bus stop just, I'm just sitting here. I, I'm just. I'm not waiting for the bus. I'm just sitting here. I'm just enjoying this beautiful day, and I feel so embarrassed. But sometimes you didn't get there in time, and you were arriving. You were leaving the house, and I think it was like the bus stop was like on the corner of our block here when I was, or it was the block over in front of the, the community center. It was a block away, and there were times where you would leave your house. You'd open the front door of your house. And you knew you were running late, and you see that bus. And you're running. I know I'm a late bus driver, but just wait a minute. He didn't care. Some of them that were kind and sweet, and you know, they concerned for they were concerned for you. They would stop maybe, and but sometimes they would just keep on going. 
leaves blowing up on the side of the road and just, you know, it was a deal. <laughs> it was a deal, that's what a preacher said. <laughs> and you knew you missed it. You didn't get your, your rear in gear, as they say. You, you, you procrastinated. You said, you know what? I just got to, you know, tie my shoes a little bit differently. I got to fix that hair a little bit differently. And you didn't make it out the door in time. Whatever it was. And you missed it. And you had to wait another 15, 30 minutes. But oftentimes, in the things of God, you get one shot. And God sweeps into the place like he does even tonight on a Wednesday night. And the preacher's preaching. And you feel the Lord talking. You said, okay, God. Could it, is this the right time? Is this, is this how you want to do it, God? Like, now, this place, it's not, you know, there's no choir singing and, and there's no music playing and it's different. And God's saying, I know, but right now, right now, I want somebody's attention. Don't put it off for a better day. Don't allow that word that is being preached tonight to just go through your fingers. As Brother Paul so beautifully showed us how water can go right through your fingers. But like Brother Nate, just hold it. Everything you pour into me, preach, preacher, I'm holding it. Everything that is preached from this pulpit, I'm going to hold it. And I'm going to say, this is this going to nourish me. This is going to help me. I'm going to use this. For the word, the word, the scripture continues. For if the word spoken, and every was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. That scripture is talking about the law of Moses. There were some, I think, 613 laws uh, in, in the, of Moses, and every single law that Moses had had a penalty if you didn't obey it. You did not get by with breaking one of those laws. There was a penalty for everyone. And the writer in Hebrews says, if the word spoken was steadfast, referred to the old covenant, and every transgression and every disobedience received a just recompense of reward. If for every single law that Moses had, there was a consequence of, of there's a penalty, there was a punishment for disobeying it. If, if you couldn't get away with any of the laws of Moses, how are you going to escape if we neglect so great salvation. The truths of this preaching and this book right here is not going to benefit us unless we give heed to it. It will not save us that the Lord Jesus has come and spoken to men unless we are we receive it into our hearts and apply it to our lives. It will not, just like it will not benefit you if the sun shines, but your eyes are closed. Books. There's lots of books I have at home. My father has a room full of books. They'll tell you all sorts of things from good manners uh, and to how to live for God. And there's even books about medical uh, things and uh, U.S. history and world history, and there's a there's a wealth of knowledge in that in that library, my father's. But you don't get smart by just walking to the library. You don't just walk into that room and say, "I feel the wealth of information coming all over me." It's until you begin to say, "I want to read that book," and you take some time and you begin to consume it. 
you begin to devour, you begin to eat it up, you begin to take it to heart, then you begin to be applied to your mind, and it helps you to make proper decisions. You've got to apply some things. You can get sick tonight and go to the doctor, and they can say, you know what's in the gym? We're going to write your prescription for some hydrocortone, or whatever they call it. Say, okay, i got a lot of pain in my body. But I'm just going to take it home, doctor. I'm just going to let it sit on my shelf. And I hope it help, helps me just sitting there. <laughs> it's not going to do nothing for you. Just because you got it at your disposal, just because you have it in hand. Yeah. It's until you put it on the inside. Right. The fruits of the earth sustain our lives, however rich and abundant they may be. If we disregard them and neglect them, they'll do no benefit to us. You could have a beautiful garden in your backyard and pick all the fruits and vegetables you want to set them on your countertop because you feel like you're being healthy and being green and being good. But if you don't ever take a bite out of them, it does you no good. That's right. Amen. The dangers associated with the reader was not, as we were reading the scripture tonight, it was not necessarily by backsliding, but in turning from reliance upon Jesus. How shall we escape if we reject? Does the Bible say that? How shall we escape if we reject the salvation? Does it say that? It says what? How shall we escape if we what? Neglect. If we just simply neglect it. I'm going to neglect my diet for a few months. And watch what happens to me. I'm gonna neglect my I'm gonna neglect putting gas in my car for a few weeks. I'm gonna neglect putting oil in my car every three or four thousand miles. I'm just gonna trust the Lord. Make a way. I'm just gonna neglect my spouse. I'm just gonna neglect my kids. You watch all sorts of things that begin to pop up. I'm just going to neglect my, my spouse and I'm just going to ignore them. All sorts of problems. I'm just going to neglect my kids. You know, if, if I want to ruin my daughter, my, my beautiful one-year-old daughter, if I want to ruin her, all I got to do is neglect her. Ignore her. Don't love her. Don't show her no attention. Don't touch her. Don't talk to her. Don't look at her. She will grow up so vile and so twisted and, and messed up. Not because I was necessarily mean to her, but I neglected her. She will resent me all her life. Because I neglect her. I never told her she was stupid. I never said you're dumb. I never said all these bad things. I just neglected her. She will grow up so wicked probably and so bitter and full of hate. Why didn't my dad give me any attention? But sometimes... We neglect our walk with God. Sometimes we we say, well, I'm just going to kind of do my part and come to church. But I'm, I'm going to kind of neglect the Lord on Mondays and on Tuesdays. I'll think of him again on Wednesdays before church 15 minutes. I'll come before church 15 minutes and I'll pray a little bit. So I feel like I'm praying. Then I'll neglect him again on Thursday and then forget him again on Friday and Saturday night. I'll Oh, yeah, I better talk to the Lord. And we neglect him and we neglect him and we neglect him and we neglect him. We're not necessarily rejecting him, but we're neglecting him. We're saying, well, that's not that important. Those who neglect it are not only they who oppose or persecute it, but those 
who pay no regard to it, who do not get involved with it, who do not concern themselves with it, do not lay it to heart, and consequently do not get their hearts changed by it. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 20, and I'm going to quickly bring this to a close. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 20 says, The kingdom of God comes not with observation. You can't just sit back and observe. You've got to get involved. You've got to mix your faith with the word of God. You've got to say, I, I believe that preacher that he's preaching, that word that he's preaching, that the, the word that the, the teacher's teaching, I believe it, so I'm going to get involved in it. I'm not going to sit back and just observe and just be a critic, but I'm going to mix my faith with the word of God. Sinning against the gospel is described as uh, just simply neglecting the great salvation that God has given us. It is making light of it. It is, it is not caring for it. It is not thinking it worth our while to, to get better acquainted with the Word of God so as to uh, apply ourselves to it. You ain't got a, a sense of great horrible sin. You don't have to even go out and just simply commit adultery or go through drugs or whatever else you, you have on that pedestal. Uh, what's worse than sin? Amen. All you got to do is simply begin to neglect the things of God. Yes, yes. Amen. There's people in churches throughout America, throughout yes. the world, no doubt, that they're, they, they're beginning to fall away from God and, and things yes. are beginning to slip from their lives, not because they're bad people, but because they neglected the things of God. They neglected to pray. They neglected to read the word. They neglected to show up for church. They, they neglected yes. to pay their tithe. They, so they started running into financial hardship. They neglected their walk with God. Yes. They neglected their wives. Yes. And so they ended up in the divorce courts. They neglected their yes. children. So they ended up visiting their kids in jail. They neglected some things. They weren't bad people. But they just simply neglected some things of great importance. Simple neglect will do it. As certainly as an atrocious crime. It is not merely the great sinner therefore who is in danger. It is a man who neglects his soul. Whether a moral or an immoral man. And if we neglect this salvation or we do not embrace it, that is enough to bring ruin to a man or a woman. A man who is in business need not commit forgery or robbery to ruin his business. A man in business simply needs to neglect his business and watch it go down the tubes. A man who is lying on a bed of sickness doesn't need to cut his throat to destroy himself. He has only to neglect the means of restoration. He will be brought to ruin. A man floating in a raft above Niagara Falls. All he's got to do is just neglect moving that oar. All he's got to do is just neglect uh, paddling away from the falls. If he just simply neglects doing that. He will certainly be carried over to his death. Most of the calamities of life are caused by simple neglect. By neglect of education, children grow up in ignorance. By neglect, a farm grows up to weeds and briars. By neglect, a house goes to decay. By neglect of sowing, a man will have no harvest. Amen. In other words, those that are lazy and don't want to work, they're going to always be without money. Because they neglected to, to reach for more in life. They neglected to go forward in life. So they're always in the proverbial slump of life until they realize that it's going to stop neglecting getting ahead in life. And I'm going to reach for something more. But if you sit back and you neglect it and you
and you neglect it and you put it off and you put it off and you put it off. You're going to always be in want. No worldly interest can prosper where there is neglect. And finally, this the writer says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I'm going to tell you, God's been good to me. This is for the Christian believers, this writing Hebrews. But I also believe there's application to those that are not in the fold, if you will. Those that are not connected to God. Because God is still reaching for people. And, and just like God is reaching for people in this place tonight, the devil's reaching for your attention. And the devil's saying, look at your phone right now. Look at this. Look at that. Look out the door. Man, forget, you know what the preacher, he's, a, he's a, not making much sense. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Minimizing, minimizing, minimizing. The book of Proverbs, and I close, if you stand with me tonight, the book of Proverbs gives a description of a vineyard that had been neglected. There was no wall around it. The ground was full of thorns and thistles. There was no fruit on the vines. The vineyard was the way it was because it had been neglected. And the writer of Proverbs said, I saw it and I considered it. I saw that vineyard that was neglected and I considered it. I looked and I received instruction. And he said it like this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. It was neglect that ruined the vineyard. It was not giving proper care to that thing that held value to it. I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching about tonight. There's tremendous value in it. It is of, as Brother Bishop Wilson says, it is of ultimate concern. This is something that will affect your soul for eternity. And if you minimize and you say, well, this is not a good time, this is not a good moment, this is not the right way, this is not, and you begin to discount it and say, well, a different season, and God's saying no right now, and you say no later, and God's saying, this is how I want to do it, you say, this is not how I want to do it, and you're going back and forth with God. And God's saying to somebody else, you've been allowing some things to slip through your fingers since you've been in church a long time. And you come to church service after service. And I fill you up and you let it all out and you just lose the blessing. And you allow things to rob and to get into your life and steal the blessing. So there's some God is preaching and God's asking some people to make a commitment tonight and to come home. And to others, God's saying, don't allow the enemy to destroy and to take that thing of ultimate concern, that thing that has ultimate value in your life. Neglect will kill marriages. It will kill bodies. It will will destroy children. It will destroy churches. But as this writer in Hebrews says, it will neglect, will will steal your salvation. Some people don't just uh, backslide overnight. Sometimes it's a process of neglect, of, of just neglecting, of just forgetting about it. I'll pray later. I'll pray tomorrow. I'll pray next week. Next month, I'll really get hold of God. Next year is probably a better year. And we neglect it and we find ourselves lost and away from God and cold and distant. And God said, pay ultimate concern. I want all your attention tonight. I want all your attention. 
I want to read this in your hearing tonight, and I'm done. It goes like this. This is by a man, T.M. Olson. I never was guilty of wrong action, on, but on my account, lives have been lost. I'm going to read that again. I never was guilty of wrong action, but on my account, lives have been lost. Trains have been wrecked. Ships have gone down at sea. Cities have burned, battles have been lost, and governments have failed. I never struck a blow, nor spoke an unkind word. But because of me, homes have been broken up. Friends have grown cold. The laughter of children has ceased. Wives have shed bitter tears. Brothers and sisters have forgotten, and fathers and mothers have gone brokenhearted to their graves. I had intended no evil. But because of me, talent and genius have come to naught. Courtesy and kindness have failed. And the promise of success and happiness has yielded sorrow and disaster. I have no color except black. No sound but just my silence. No cause for being myself. No progeny except grief and disaster. You may not on the instant call me by name, but you, but surely you are personally acquainted with me. I am neglect. It's simply neglect tonight that will cause a world of hurt. Neglecting your spouse, neglecting your body, neglecting your children, neglecting your walk with God, neglecting whatever. It's not the bad people. It's just, I'm preaching tonight, you've got to watch for those things. Like Brother Nate, you got to hold that cup of your hand so tight. Say, God, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm not going to just haphazardly put my hands together like the preacher said. And, and, and the preacher says, hit the rocks. So I hit it three times and I think I'm done. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it everything I've got. I'm going to say, God, if you want me to be at prayer meeting on Monday night, I'm going to be at prayer meeting on Monday night. If the preacher says, uh, I need to be here a little bit early for pre-service prayer, I'm going to be early for prayer. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs me, I'm going to make sure that I'm giving it all of my concern, all of my care. I want us to lift our hands in this place and I want us to reach out to the Lord for a few moments. I want us to just begin to talk to the Lord in this place tonight. I want us to take a few moments and I want us to talk with the Lord. Why don't you just close your eyes right where you're standing or where you're sitting and why don't you slip up a hand to the Lord. And why don't you allow God to touch you right now? Jesus, I pray, Lord, right now. I know, God, you've given me a word for this group of people tonight. And I'm simply praying, God, that somebody under the sound of my voice would reach out and grab a hold of the preached word of God. Somebody in this place would give it all of their attention, would give it all of their care, and say, God, I'm not going to let this word slip through my fingertips. I'm not going to let the teachings on prayer by Brother Walmer slip through my mind and yet never have a prayer life. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to get the word deep in my soul. Deep in my spirit. Oh, let's lift up our voices. Come on, I need somebody that would help me.